pray. Father, we thank you for this awesome day, for this awesome time. As we gather together, as we honor you, we give you praise. Thank you for your word as it goes forth. It does not return void, but it accomplishes what we set it out to accomplish. And I believe that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Um, I've got a number of family here today. We, we had one of the, one of the ma- most amazing weddings that we've ever had right here at Gates. We had it. Most of you weren't here, so you didn't know. But we, my, my nephew was, uh, and, and his wife were married yesterday here on the, on the property, and we had a, we had a great time. And if, if you're a family and friends that were part of the wedding, stand up. This is, this is all of our pieces of our family, and we're so glad to have all of them here and, and for you guys to be here with us today. Amen? Love y'all. It's awesome. Today, I've, I've just had a, we've done something a little bit different. Um, every year at Gates, we have our provision for the house month where we preach on doing something new. Um, Gates of the city's 122 acres is a work in progress. Amen? Everybody knows that. And uh, we, uh, every year we have this, and, and we're doing something a little bit different. I shared a little bit about it last week, and I'm just ending it today. Um, and as Sandra said earlier, you'll have the opportunity from now till June to give into this. Um, we, we are doing and establishing at Gates, provision projects and uh, that we know of now, and you'll hear about those over the next two or three months, uh, we've got four provision projects. And they all have to do with making this place better so it's inviting so that the world wants to come in and be a part of it. Um, We've been in this building for, uh, what year is this? We've been here for eight years. Eight years? Yeah, eight years. Uh, on 9-11 was our, our first day, so it was eight years. I, said, I told somebody seven years yesterday. It was eight years. And uh, we've been here at Gates of the City for eight years. And um, uh, it was slow going when we first moved in our building and until the last two or three years. We've stepped up the pace, and we're going to continue to step the pace up and, and see this place finished, not totally finished because there'll always be something. When you have 122 acres, you can put something somewhere on this property. Amen? So we've got a lot to do. But this, this first project, um, and you see it up here, phase one, is to begin the portion of erosion control. If you drive on our property, you see that we have an issue with erosion control. In other words, when it rains, so comes the water. Amen? And so we've got some work to do on that. And, uh, and also the beginning portion of land clearing and landscaping. It, to, it, when you drive on the property to the left, we're going to clear all the trees there. We're going to get rid of one of the deer blinds. And, um, and some guys will be really upset about that, Brian, right? No, no he, Brian's, Brian's all good with it, yeah. Uh, but we're, we're doing the, the landscaping and the clearing. And, and so uh, this first project will be that we, will, we are... Uh, Believing for the funds and giving you the opportunity to give into is fifteen thousand uh, dollars. Doesn't seem like a lot of money, but it's 
just that, that will handle this first project. You'll see the growth and the progress in what we're doing, and so we're excited about it. And today, I'm just going to share with you a number of things that um, are really important. I don't know why, I don't know why I'm going to do this, but I'm just going to do this. Um, I just, this is just really strong in my heart. Um, I just thank God for my wife today. And I say that um, this year, not now, in, in August, we will be married 40 years in August. And um, we've been on an amazing journey. And yesterday, when I was saying a word during a toast with my nephew, I told him, I said, you know, Proverbs 18 something says, um, when, a mo- when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. And, and what, what, I, what has really been impressed on, on me about that, and I say that to all of you that are not married yet, you're not looking for a woman. I mean, uh, if you're a guy, you want to go for a guy? No, I didn't say that. I'm saying you're not just looking for any woman. You're looking for someone that God has created inside of them, the ability to be a wife. Now, every woman has that. But only the right one for you will be that wife. And that's what my nephew found. I've seen it for a long period. I mean, everybody has. But I'm saying I've seen it for a long period of time. I've seen it in the two of them. He found a wife. And, and the rest of that verse of Scripture says that you'll obtain favor from the Lord. And the blessing that my wife has been for me in these 40 years almost has created favor in my life that I don't even deserve. I don't even deserve it, but I have it. Um, in July of this year, we're celebrating 30 years of Gates of the City. We're several other names, but we, we're Gates of the City now. And we're celebrating 30 years of Gates of the City together. And my wife and I are celebrating 60 years of living on the planet together. We're both 60 this year. And, and um, I just want you to know how much that I appreciate you and that I love you and that you're such an example of a godly wife. A wife in the Webster's is defined as a marriage partner. And the church has screwed up marriage for years. It's changed and things are changing with that and I thank God for it. But the idea of the wife, you know, being the lesser one, the something or other, whatever, uh, is a bunch of crock of bull. And there's nothing weak about my wife and there's nothing secondary about my wife. She and I are equal partners together. We have roles in marriage, but there's neither male nor female in the world. Women are not better than men. Men aren't better than women. They're equal. In a marriage relationship, there are roles. And I thank God. We, we didn't have a lot of teaching on it when we first got married. We had some struggles in the beginning. But I thank God, as we've lasted in these 40 years, that, that I, I, mean, I mean, we have vision for beyond. But the next decade of our life will be the best because our, our vision and focus is for people. <laughs> it's not for us. It's for people, and in the midst of that, the love for each other grows and increases like never before. 
And I just, I just want you to know how grateful and how thankful I am for you and everything that you have been. Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So, so I, I don't have a lot of time. <clears throat> But I want to, I want to, I, I love teaching this because, you know, how, how many have been to some form, some institution of higher education of some form or another? Somebody, how many in here? You have some form of that, okay? Myself included. And... <clears throat> If you desire to be a doctor, you're probably not going to learn and get an education about being a doctor in the church. You need to go to a college that's going to teach you about being a doctor. And if you're going to work on me, you better go. Amen? <clears throat> um, if you desire to be a lawyer or you de desire, I, I don't know, I'm just thinking of just different you know, different positions, different vocations, uh, whatever it is, there are certain things that the church um, can't teach you. But I listed a number of things here, and I'm just looking at my notes. I wrote these down this morning. Um, in most institutions of higher education, you will not be taught faith, most of them. You won't be taught the word. You won't be taught about the promises of God and about how that the promises of God are there for you if you learn what they are and how to receive them. You won't learn that there. Those things you'll learn there, but you won't learn about that. Um, for the most part, institutions of higher education are not going to teach you how to raise your children. But the church should. Most institutions of higher education that I know about, I don't know about them all, but I mean that I know about, they're going to teach you leadership skills and abilities about being a leader. But most of them will not teach you to honor leaders. Most of them will not teach you about seed time and harvest time. Won't teach you about what Sandra was talking about earlier concerning the tiger. Man, I love that. The tithe is going to be the tiger from now on. Most places aren't going to teach you that. They're not going to reveal to you the benefits of it. Because a lot of the world thinks that the church just wants your money. But you got to come into the church and learn and hear and receive from the Word of God to find out what God thinks about it. It's not, it's not just another man's opinion. You know, if you're part of this church 
you, you know that we always encourage you not to take something that I said, but you go to the Word and you see if what I said is true. The things that I'm going to share with you today. Um, I've got friends in ministry and stuff that won't teach what I'm going to teach today because they're concerned about how people will take it. What I'm telling you is, you're coming here for a reason. I'm going to teach you things from the Word. I'm going to teach you today and talk to you about money because the Bible talks more about money than it even does about faith. And, and, and I'll just tell you that we've let the institutions of higher education be responsible to teach people about money, and that's why the planet is in such a mess. God wants the planet liberated and free. And if we learn from the church, that's what will happen. So, um, give me uh, uh, Psalm uh, 9213. Can you give me that on the screen? <laughs> this verse of Scripture is something that's important that you understand. Because what it says is, those who are planted in the house, Old Testament, God said, my eyes and my heart are in and on my house. New Testament, 1 Timothy 3.15 says, that the house of God is the church. Ephesians 1 and 21 says that the church is his body. So you factor all that in, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And to me, and I've got a whole teaching on it, but we won't talk about it today, the courts are everything else that you are operating. For you to flourish out there, you got to be planted in here. But you got to be planted because you believe that being planted is true, not because I'm like preaching up here and putting you on a guilt trip if you're not doing something or serving right. Or no, no, no. We offer things here. We offer. We just had our first Genesis class of the month where we teach you how to, uh, or we teach you about what we believe and who we are and how to get connected and be a part of the, this place. But it's your choice. You know, and we, we, won't, we won't chase you down trying to make sure that you come and you, you be a part and you serve and you do those things. It's your choice. But you have to learn, if we don't teach the truth, then you have no bearing for the truth because, because um, Proverbs 29.18, can you put that up there for me? Proverbs 29.18, and I really like this in the New King James Version, says this. Where there is no revelation, and part of what the church is, is to bring the word, and with the word, revelation to your life. That's the part of the church. That's the, the responsibility of the church. Where there is no revelation, um, one translation says, where there is no redemptive revelation of God, the people cast off restraint. Um, one of the definitions in the Webster's for restraint is that restraint is a measure or a condition that keeps someone or something under control within limits. Another definition here is the action of keeping someone or... No, that's not the one I wanted to read. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the unemotional, moderate behavior of self-control. So, I'm saying to you today that the church, 
brings teaching and revelation that will not cause you to have an attitude that, you know what, I'm just casting restraint off. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to be my own person. When God said, if you want to flourish out there, you have to be planted in the house. Someone say amen to that. If you can't say, what the heck's he talking about? Anyway. So today, in the next few minutes, I just, I'm actually going to reiterate what I shared last week and, and, and then just add one more thing. And last week, <clears throat> I talked to you about, I gave you three little mini messages. I'm going to kind of do that again. And the first thing that I talked about last week was, and, and, and the title of my message today is Provisions Purpose. Provisions Purpose. The purpose of provision. And last week I talked about that first and foremost, there has to be an excitement in what you do. It has to be developed. You, you, you know, we can be cheerleaders and rah, 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 and then we leave our rah, 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 and we're mad and angry and frustrated and all those things. But excitement comes from within. And First um, Thessalonians 5 and verse 16, this is, this is an interesting and, a, and actually amazing passage. Um, it has the shortest verse of Scripture right there. Rejoice always. Now, that word rejoice... Um, is defined as joyful and a position of excitement, a position. So if I get in a position and I'm ready and I'm prepared in this position to do something, then no matter what comes, I'm in a position and I'm ready to rejoice and to be excited to overcome whatever would come to me when I'm in that position. Well, you don't just say, okay, I'm going to get in that position. You get in that position spiritually by the development of your life, the redemptive revelation of God. As it comes and it renews your mind, you change the way you think. You change the attitudes that you have. Over time, you're in that position to be able to handle anything comes. Then when something is taught about, like what we're talking about, provision, man, I'm ready. I'm excited. Pastor's teaching something from the Word. I'm going to take it home. I'm going to study it for myself. I'm going to listen and meditate on it, to, you know, on my own. I'm going to learn to listen to God, and I want to be a part of something if that's God's will for me. Not, not just getting behind what the church is doing. The church is doing what God wants done, and that's what I'm going to get behind. And i got to believe that. And when you believe that, it will create an excitement, and, man, I'm ready. Man, I am ready. I'm in position. Can you say amen to that? The other thing that I shared with you last week was, and uh, <clears throat> at Gates, we've, we've been working and developing um, not, not only our position in, in our own county, in, in our own town, our own territory here, in, Ker, in Kerrville and Kerr County and all these surrounding counties here. We believe that we're here to affect this area, and we do. We serve the community, and we're going to do it in a greater way. Well, we believe that there's a world vision in us because there's a world vision in God, right? And uh, we've been working and, and, and preparing to do other things even outside of our area. And, and a few weeks ago, we took a team of about 20 of us, and 
we went to Arizona to the Dream Center and had a beautiful time. I mean, amazing time. They're doing a fantastic work there. We glean from them things that, that, that we can get ideas from to make better what we do here. And that's one of the reasons that we went. But when we were there, every single person that's part of, part of Gates of the City invested into the people there. They were drawn to us. Why? Because we have something. Should people be drawn to you? Huh? Should people be drawn to you? Should they? Should they? Should people want what you have? Yeah, they should. So it's not prideful to say people were drawn to us. I'm saying people were drawn to us because we had something. Can you say amen? Matthew 28 said, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go. Where Where do we go? From right here to your next door neighbor to anywhere. And it's a big planet. I mean, it seems like it's getting smaller all the time, but it's a big planet. And God told us to go and to accomplish things, right? But to accomplish things, you have to be confident in who you are. You have to be planted in the house. And I'm telling you today, and, and I'm going to read to you several scriptures that just confirm that, that the house here has to be taken care of. The house has to be developed. It has to, people have to be convinced of their house. And the house is not just the building, but if you had a building here and you had no word, you had no redemptive revelation of God that was going out, then people's lives wouldn't change. It'd just be another group of people that gathered together in a place. Anybody can gather here. We had a wedding here yesterday. It was awesome, you know. There are things that we're finishing in this building that would make that wedding yesterday even that much better. I just want you to know we're on it. Amen. It, it, things have taken a while for us to get to this place, but things are increasing and, and we're speeding up and things are happening in, in, a, in a greater way with us today than they ever have before. The next decade at Gates of the City is very promising and bright because, because from your head down, the, the under shepherd down, I have vision and I see it. My wife and I see it very clearly, what we're to accomplish. So things I'm sharing with you today are to help you to be a part of what God is building here. It's not just the spiritual. It's the spiritual first and foremost, but it's also the natural. It has to be dealt with. So we're going to go into all the world. Amen? So... As this year, as we brought vision, and it's been already mentioned today what, what some of the vision was, the thing that we shared at the beginning of the year, number one, was clarity, that things become clear to God's people. And in the clarity that we realize that the door is open and the door has always been open and the door represents opportunity. The opportunities for advancement and for you seeing who you are, what you're called to do to advance in your life, that that door of opportunity is open. And I've shared with you many, many times that the key to that is being connected, being planted. And when we understand that, um, we flourish that much more in our individual lives. Um, as, As a, what the Bible in the Old Testament would call the priest, I'm part of the five-fold ministry. I'm the under-shepherd of this body. My wife and I are. 
And what we bring and what we preach to the body brings vision. So we're the priesthood that brings vision. Then the Bible clearly talks about kings. And kings bring the provision for the vision. Kings represent entrepreneurs, people in the business world. And that's most of the people that are out there today. Most people are not in the priesthood. Most people are kings bringing provision and yet being priests in the marketplace. That's the way God created us to be. That God created both ends. And God's desire, if you'd put Psalm 115 up there for me um, and verse 12, God's desire are for the kings to increase. I want you to see this passage here, and then I want to give you what I believe is key for kings, okay? The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. That's the kings. He will bless the house of Aaron. That's the priesthood. Verse 13. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you what? Everybody say increase. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. Verse 15. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. 16. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth, he has given to who? The children of men. Specifically, to the kings and the entrepreneurs, he gave the earth. But the earth is his, but he gave it to us. The earth is his, but he gave it to us. The number one law of increase, the number one law of increase is this. Put God first. Number one law. You put God first, everything else will move. Everything else in your life will happen when you put God first. Well, Pastor, what does that look like? You know, I'm not sure if I need to do this or that. That's why you get planted in the house, and over time you learn what that looks like. Not forced to. Nobody in this place will ever force you. Nobody will ever chase you down. If you don't show up here for a month, somebody will give you a call and find out where you're at because we just want to know where you're at. But we will not chase you down. It's your choice. If you're planted here and you desire to be here as you're planted in the house, we believe you'll flourish. Amen. The opportunities that are coming to people. I mean, ever since the beginning of the year, the testimonies of the doors that have been opened in people's lives are staggering. It's amazing. The things that are happening and moving in people's lives in this body. I believe that because people are planted in this house. I'm excited. I'm joyful. I'm rejoicing on your behalf that you're increasing. Because when you increase and you believe in being planted in the house and you believe in sowing in the house and bringing provision, then the church increases. See, the, 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 there's no good, it's no good for the church to increase and the people are not. God didn't make it that way. Didn't create it that way. So, Matthew 6, 33, if you're taking notes today, just write that down. You can put it on the screen for me, Matthew 6, 33. <clears throat> it says... But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Can you put the Amplified up for, for that, please? But seek 
aim at and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness. His way of doing and being right, and then all these other things taken together will be given you besides. You know what all those things are? If you go back and look at that passage, he was talking about all the needs of your life. All those things will be taken care of as you do things his way. And, and today, I'm mentioning in these two, these two series, tithing and seed time and harvest are part of his will. He talks more about that in Scripture than he does many other things. It's vital. But again, it's you choosing to do it because you know it's his will. Not because you think, I'm preaching a message trying to get something out of you. Listen to this. Could be the greatest revelation you've ever gotten. Maybe you've heard me say it before, but you need to download this on the inside of you. Tithing and seed sowing is not trying to get something from you. It's trying to get something to you. Amen? So... I'm going to hold on. I wasn't going to do this, but I want to I need to read this myself. D- don't put these next scriptures up right now cuz I need to uh, uh, there's a bunch of it I don't want to read. So I'm going to look at it myself. I should already have this done, but I didn't. And I'm going to here. Okay. So in the Old Testament, I'm going to read a couple of passages of Scripture here as we, as we kind of wind this down. Um, in Haggai in the Old Testament, chapter 1, yeah, you could put it up there, but, but I, you, you may, I may mess you up because I, I'm not going to do what I thought I was going to do. Um, in Haggai chapter 1 and verse 1, it says this, In the second year of the king Darius, in the sixth month, Second year, sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Now, I did good right there. <clears throat> Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Now, <clears throat> the house of the Lord which is the church, which is his body. The house, though, the physical house of the Lord, um, it was time for the house of the Lord. If you read this passage, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to just give you a couple of points. The house of the Lord was not being built, and the word of the Lord, it's not Zerubbabel, it's not the prophet speaking it from, his, from the top of his head. It was the word of the Lord and him speaking it. So today, I'm telling you this in something that is being built. And he said, he said in chapter 1, um, you've spent everything and you've sown in your life concerning yourself and you've not taken care of the house of the Lord because the house of the Lord was not being finished and developed. That's what he was saying. And he said... And what he was encouraging the people, you don't want to sow to yourself and reap from yourself. You want to sow to the Spirit and reap from the Spirit. You want to do what God says, not just you thinking you know better. Okay? So 
he kind of gave him a reprimand. I'm not doing that today to you. I'm, I'm telling you that's what was said here. I'm giving you an encouragement today to take this opportunity to see why you should sow into what we're doing here. Okay, I want you to consider that. I want you to look at it and consider it. Because a month and a half later in chapter 2, and uh, in a month and a half later, the word of the Lord came to Haggai again, and he said to them and encouraged them and actually commended them because they got the revelation, they started sowing into the house of the Lord, and the word of the Lord down about 15 verses said, and I will bless you in all that you do. The word of the Lord came to encourage them, to help them to see that if you stay on this path, it's going to create destruction in your life or it's not going to create the blessing that you want to come to your life. In other words, what Haggai was saying, what the word of the Lord was saying, we're giving you the opportunity to be blessed. They caught it, they got it, they began to do it, and God said, I'll bless everything that you do. I don't know about you, but that's a really good word. Amen? And in the book of Exodus, I'm just giving you little pieces of this because I'm going to tie this together for you today. In the book of Exodus, in chapter 35, and verse 4, and this is the account of something else that was being built, the tabernacle in the wilderness. And Moses was preaching to the people, and in verse 4 it says, And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. This is to build the tabernacle. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord, gold, silver, whatever it is. Everybody say a willing heart. Verse 20, in the same chapter. And all the congregation of the children of Israel, no, 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 uh, verse uh, 22. Then they came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart, and they brought everything that they brought. In chapter 36, and I won't, we don't need to look at it, but in chapter 36, after Moses brought the Word of God, that's what I'm bringing to you today, I'm bringing a challenge to you today from the Word of God, giving you an opportunity to increase and be blessed in all that you do. That's what, I, that's what we're giving you. Um, in chapter 36, the offerings continued to come in, and it's one of the reasons, it was this passage of Scripture that really in the Lord showed me, I want you to do provision projects. I want you to give people opportunities to give when they can hear from me. From now till June is this project. And we're giving you that. If, we, if the money comes in for that uh, in, in a month, we'll stop that and start project two. Just going to constantly give you opportunity anytime during the year that you want to give to see this place finish, giving you the opportunity to increase in everything that you do. As Moses continued to minister this, it says in chapter 36 that everything came in to finish the tabernacle in the wilderness and more than enough came in and so much more came in because of the willing-hearted people. And it said not everybody gave, only those of a willing heart. Only those that believed 
what Moses said was true. If you believe what I'm saying is true for your life, and that's the way God set it up, and remember, you won't learn this in most higher institutions of education. You'll learn a lot of other things, but you won't learn this. That's why you've got to come to church. And that's why you have to sometimes separate in your thinking. Yeah, but other people said this. Yeah, but I'm talking about what the Word says. Now, you go and you study the Word and you believe if what I'm saying is true and you do what you say, I promise you, you'll be blessed in what you do. Only because God, you believe God told you to do it, not any other reason. But the thing I really like about that in verse 7 is there was so much given that Moses said, nah, no more. No more offerings. Don't give anymore. What? You ever heard... You ever heard somebody just say, don't give anymore? He said, don't give anymore. Stop. Why? Because there's more than enough. You know why there was more than enough? Because of the challenge of the word that caused willing hearts to do what God said. That's it. Only reason. That's, that's why there was more than enough. Not because somebody with a big bankroll came and rolled it out. That's not what it's about. It's about people being willing to do what God says. Can you say amen to that? Gosh, I love that. Anyway, again, um, everything that I said to you today comes down to this last verse. Everything I said to you today. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is one powerful verse. Actually, I'm going to actually read the whole story. So follow with me on it. Go back to, I think, verse 5 of, oh, where am I telling you to go? Matthew 8, and start with verse 5. Um, this, is, this is a really powerful verse of Scripture that goes with what I'm teaching you today. And if you believe what I'm teaching you today, you, you ought to take this verse of Scripture. It's in verse 13, but I'm going to start reading in verse 5. And you, you need to tape it somewhere and remind yourself of this. But in verse 5, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Now, this, this wasn't a Jew. This was a centurion. This was an uncircumcised Philistine. <laughs> Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, he come, and he, uh, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. So he was a man under authority, but he was a man that operated in authority. You know what? This is the absolute truth. If you're not somebody under, under authority, you don't understand authority. You can be a big boss and yell and scream and holler and kick people and be mad and angry and all those kind of things. That's not a leader. A true leader that knows how to honor people in authority is somebody that is non-emotional. A true leader does not, is not ruled by his emotions. He operates in self-control. That was free. <clears throat> when Jesus heard it, he marveled and he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have found not such great faith, not even in Israel. Nowhere. In all the known world, Jesus had not seen faith like this. Because this is a guy that understood authority. Verse 11. 
And I say to you that many will come from the east. Actually, just skip to verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way. Today, as you leave here, this is what I'm saying to you. Go your way. And as you believe, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. One translation says he was healed that moment. So the centurion got results. Keep that scripture up there. The centurion got results. Why? Because he had such great faith? No, because he believed. Sometimes people ask, do you believe what the word of God says? Yeah, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. But we don't really believe like we need to believe. So we need the belief in our life developed. So that's why you connect to church life or, and everything that involves church teaching. That's why you connect to the word of God. For you to believe, the ability for you to believe is found in the seed of the word itself. If you don't believe that, you'll never increase and prosper. Ever. But he believed, and Jesus said, so let it be done for you. And what I'm telling you today is, I gave you in these last two messages, just kind of piece these messages together because we're doing something different with our provision projects instead of our provision month and provision offering Sunday. And what I'm saying to you is, take what I said and you think about it. You meditate on it. You pray about it. And as you believe, it will be done for you like it was done for the centurion. You know why? Because God's no respecter of person. If he did it for the centurion, he'll do it for you. He believed for healing for his servant, and he got it. Why? Because he truly believed. If you truly believe that sowing into this phase one or the next three phases that we have, if you believe that you sowing into that, will produce opportunity and things coming your way of increase because you're putting God's house first. What's the first law of increase? Put God first. You put God's house first, God will be involved in your house, meaning your life. You put what is important to God first, you see what will happen with that. There's no manipulation in this teaching. There's no emotionalism. I'm not trying to get something from you. What I'm trying to do is encourage you to believe how God gets things to you. You pray about it, you think about it, you meditate on it, and you do whatever God tells you to do. And I promise you, amazing things will come into your life. Man, I mean, I can't tell you how excited I am about increase in people's lives that will take what I'm saying today and really believe it. I can't tell you. I'm not more excited about finishing a project. I'm more excited about increase for you. You know who, you know who said that? The Apostle Paul said that. He said, I'm, I'm not after the gift itself. I'm after the profit that increases to your account. What a beautiful name. What an amazing God. Amen.